0: Episode 174 of the world's, yep, the world's number one small business marketing show. Listen in and find out why a one-word domain could be a business's biggest marketing asset. Plus, I help a listener avoid sounding like a schmuck. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, motivated business owners everywhere. It's Timbo Reed here, and it is an absolute pleasure to have you back inside the world that is small business, big marketing. Righto, let's get stuck right in to some marketing, G-O-L-D. Now, I've just returned from a speaking engagement yesterday where I was lucky enough to share a stage with one Todd Sampson. Now, for overseas listeners... Tom is an Australian advertising guru, and I don't use that lightly. He's the CEO of Leo Burnett's. He appears on a top-rating advertising TV show called The Gruen Transfer, plus he's got an amazing personal story to boot. Now, in preparing for my presentation, I found myself constantly trying to second-guess what Todd was going to cover and what he'd think about what I had to say in regards to advertising and marketing. Doing so got in the way of me just focusing on what I do best. That's sharing the marketing love. Anyway, presentation day arrived and Todd spoke mainly about leadership, not advertising. I wasted all that time and energy worrying unnecessarily, which got me thinking, how often do we as motivated business owners worry about our competition way too much? I'm thinking the answer is... Is often. Instead, we should get on with telling our own story and nailing it. Alrighty, now we've got an action packed show for you today, team. There's a fireside chat with the founder of Australia's newest private health business, and he has got some pretty strong views on one word domains. I help a listener avoid sounding like a schmuck. That's her words, not mine. Plus, I share some very touching listener feedback. But first, let me tell you about how our very, very good friends at Net Registry can help you crank out some great marketing. You know how the online marketing world is full of acronyms? SEO, PPC, DNS, SEM. They keep going. Seriously, as a small business owner, my advice is not to worry about them. But do worry about marketing your business online. Motivated small business owners are running pay per click campaigns on Google, are optimizing their site for the search engines, and do have secure website hosting and great website design. Motivated small business owners are also not doing it all themselves. That's where Net Registry step in, guys. Net Registry exists to get your online marketing sawed. It's what they do. If you're not marketing your business online, then you're leaving money on the table, team. Check them out netregistry.com.au and tell them Timbo sent you. Okay, let's get stuck right in to today's Fireside Chat, and it is with Andy Sheets. And Andy is the CEO and founder of Australia's newest private health insurance company, health.com.au. And it was kind of interesting when he came across my desk, because I don't think it'd be any small feat to launch a private health insurance company in today's environment, in fact, in any environment. Um, And Andy's very, very strong on the fact that your business name is your business's greatest marketing asset. He's of the view that, in fact, that no matter what your marketing budget, which is kind of interesting uh, because health.com.au wasn't a cheap name to buy, a business owner needs to get their business name right first. So for health.com.au, this was paramount, he says, uh, from a branding and marketing approach. In fact, it threw most of its startup marketing budget behind securing that exact domain name, health.com.au. Pretty amazing. And as I said, it was a lot of dough. So uh, really enjoyed this chat, and I start off by congratulating Andy on a rather large award he recently won. Like medicine. Medicine Two things. Firstly, a belated congratulations on winning the Telstra 2013 Business Award for, start-up in Australia, for Best Startup in Australia.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a huge huge thing for us to get uh, that sort of endorsement
0: no mean feat because you're up against some some serious competition and and uh i watched your speech uh and i could tell that it meant a lot uh sometimes awards are funny things but that's a that's a serious award um that's one of the most significant awards if not the most significant award a startup could win in australia so um good on you now you're passionate about health i am told so it's no it's no coincidence that you founded and run health.com.au. Has that always been the case for you, Andy, or was there did you get a wake-up call at some point?
1: Uh, well, my background is really online businesses, and um, I think, uh, you know, but in my personal life, I've been very focused on my own health and fitness, and uh, my wife, as it actually turns out, is that works in healthcare, um, and... Uh, uh, I think together, you know, these things sort of uh, collided where my interest in online sort of batted up against an interest in health, and just the horrible experience I was getting through my own health insurance provider, and I just thought, you know, there's a better way of doing this, and, um, and over the course of a year or so, we built that out and, uh, and launched it as health.com.au.
0: Mm, that's interesting. That, that whole there's a better way concept, I want, to t- I want to go into in quite some depth. Not just yet, because I want to talk business name, the importance of business name first, but, but I, I think it's fascinating that you've entered such a crowded category, and I know you've got some good good reasons for doing it. Now, uh, let's talk business name, because that was the approach that I got from your PR company when uh, when they set up this interview, and I, I do think it's interesting. You strongly believe a business name is a business's greatest marketing asset. Um, why? Why?
1: Well, I mean, it's the first thing that a customer sees when they hear about you generally is your name. And um, especially in an online world, if your name doesn't describe what you do, then no one knows. And and, and you've got options. Either you pick something that is descriptive or you pick something that's not, and then you have to actually build out all of the brand meaning around it. And Mm -hmm. if you're Amazon and you have... You know, 20 years to build out what does Amazon mean, that's one thing. But the other option is, you know, books.com.au. Um, and if you're starting a small business, I think it's obvious that you go for the one that's most likely to describe what you do, that people can find, mm-hmm. um, that they don't forget. Um, mm. And that's been, our, that's been, and that's been our, our, you know, sort of a big lesson for us.
0: Well, you've had that. I mean, you, the proof is in the pudding. You, you, you own health.com.au. You worked at realestate.com.au. So I guess you've seen the power of it. Um, being the devil's advocate, Andy, you know, um, it doesn't feel very emotional or very personal. It feels very category. It's almost like you've taken on the responsibility of building the category by owning health.com.au. There's no kind of uh, – it's hard to emotionally attach to that.
1: Um, But you don't often attach to the name of something. You attach to the broader experience. And so the name is, what are they? What do they stand for? How do I find them? Then you go to the website and we give you something that's a bit more engaging than a normal health insurance website experience um, where we've, you know, for for example, we've put on, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like a bank website. It looks more like uh, a travel company website. Mm. You know, mm. So we've tried to draw people in with a more open-ended experience, but the first thing is getting them to the website. And and I think that a name, a very straightforward descriptive functional domain name is the way to do that.
0: Is, is there any um, underlying agenda there that you are attracting or hoping to capture those who go directly to the, um, the URL bar and type in the category.com.au?
1: Um, well, we're an Australian business. We're We are actually geographically bound to Australia because health insurance is under it's -hmm. a regulated business in Australia. Um, Our product's only available to people in Australia. We want to be really clear that it's Australian. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there are, you know, if you're in a country that has a, uh, you know, a country descriptor, if you're a geographically bound business, it makes sense to use that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, if you're an English health insurance business, you want to be. Healthinsurance.co.uk, not healthinsurance.com. Um, what about
0: health? You, you've added insurance there. Well, I mean, you know,
1: we've gone for health because we didn't, we actually didn't want to be, we wanted to be a bit more exploratory than, you know, healthinsurance.com.au. We wanted to actually have people willingly come to us. And we thought if we were, A, if it was longer, mm-hmm. um, a longer name harder to type in. It's easier to remember, but it's harder to type in. Mm hmm. So we went for the shorter name um, that was a bit broader.
0: Just exploring that naming strategy, Andy. So uh, again, like I, I often say uh, when I'm giving a, a keynote around marketing, I, we talk about names and, and people get their knickers in a knot sometimes about coming up with that perfect business name. And my view is that pre-1976, Apple was a piece of fruit, Right. So all of a sudden, Steve Jobs is working in an Apple orchard. He has to come up uh, with a business name and, in fact, a name for the, one of his first computers, which is the Macintosh, which is also an Apple. So back then, Apple was – that was just a crazy name. Now we go, oh, that's the most amazing brand in the world. But isn't it You know, – couldn't you come up with just a business name and it's really the energy that you put behind that that makes the business great?
1: Um, well – Look, while that's true, it's, the context is entirely different. So, Apple was a kit computer that was going to be sold to people he knew in his computer club. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, they knew him. They didn't care about the name. Mm-hmm. In an online world, you don't know everyone. They have to find you. They have to remember you. And you're marketing to people who, you know. So, I think if you've got the time, energy, and money to build a brand from scratch, that's great. Mm-hmm. Most small businesses don't. Um, and, and I think that's, that's actually the, the sort of limiter I'd put on it. I, you know, there's a big argument you get in, and we did this when we started our business. There's this sort of circular thing of, what do we stand for? Uh, you know, if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Yep. What does the business sound like, look like, feel like? How are the products configured? Nah, you did, you did a branding workshop. Exactly. It's a branding circle. And until you decide on one of those things, you almost can't do the next. And, you know, we were going around in that circle and we thought we ended up, we got the name health.com.au and we're like, right, that's our post in the ground. Everything else is going to be decided by that. And Mm so, you know, well, what do we stand for? Well, what would health.com.au as a great online health insurer stand for? That's what we're after. You know, that is what we're after. You know, clear, open, transparent, accessible, straightforward. Um, okay, great. What should the website look like? Well, what are the best practices for how you sell and service online? That's what we're going to do. You know, and, and all of a sudden, we're aiming at an online market with a clear online offering. And all of those things fall into place because we picked the domain name, which became the brand. And then, and then fed so many of these other decisions. Yeah, right. So, you know, when you, you can have an internal argument with yourself about what's the perfect name, at the end of the day, I think in most cases that's, um, that's an ego argument. It's you talking to yourself. The real thing is, what, what do, you know, if you talk to customers <laughs> yeah. uh, or potential customers, what brand works for them and means something to them? Um, and and, and I, that's, you know, we just sort of tried to shortcut it and get straight to that.
0: Just want to put some closure around the naming uh, strategy before we get stuck into what I call your secret sauce, um, entering that crowded marketplace and what does differentiate you. But um, I'm sure our listeners would be very interested to know how you went about buying such such a short domain name. I, I, funnily enough, just, just this week, Andy, I saw that podcast.com was for sale and I thought, mm. oh, that'd be interesting, you know. I'll make a little offer there, and I mean little. And he came back. I, I, my offer was embarrassing, you know, but I knew I was never going to get it. And he came back and he said, "No, it's worth one point." Now I've forgotten. Actually, was it one point one million or was it one hundred and ten million? It was. I reckon it'd be more than one point one. Yeah, yeah. House. I think I think it, it was bizarre. It was hilarious. I said I went back and I said, "Listen, when you do sell it, can you contact me because I'd love to interview you?" So yeah. uh, health.com.au, dot who owned it, you don't need to name names, but, you know, who, who was who was sitting on it or using it? How much did they want and what did you pay?
1: Well, the, the company, we bought it from a guy um, who had registered it originally uh, when it first came out. So most short names, especially category names, are taken. Mm. Um, but, uh, and he had actually registered it for, I don't know, $15 yeah. a long time ago and had a plan to use it because he runs a... Uh, a chain of physio practices okay. and he had a plan to use it, um, and it was always sort of on the workbench as one of the things he was going to do, but never really got around to it because he was running a business with you know a hundred people in it and um, and we just approached him with our idea, and he really liked what we were doing and planning to do, and um, had had a number of offers in the past, and in fact, we bought it probably for less than he would have had offers for because he liked what we were doing. And we just wanted the name. We didn't want to get in the way of his own business. Um, and so we just made it easy. And, um, you know, I, I can't actually say what we paid for it, but it would be the, it would be the price of a good car. <laughs> um, a, a good australian
0: car or a good european car
1: i would say a good european sports car <laughs> okay <laughs> a good european sports car right okay well I was, at,
0: a, I was at the ferrari great. factory i was at the ferrari factory in in medina 2 weeks ago so uh, i know I, how much those things cost
1: it wouldn't be that good it wouldn't be <laughs> but i'd say maybe in a porsche range
0: okay okay so, but it's look i think
1: there's a couple of things i would you know if you wanted to A couple of sort of key things, I think, on picking a name, especially if it's an online name, you know, you want to make it memorable. Uh, Don't be too left to field that you freaked people out and left them wondering, but make it memorable, easy to say and write. Um, It has to work online. So a descriptive functional domain name is really important. No dashes, underscores, .dot .nets, Mm. .dot .whatevers. If you're, an, if you're a constrained geographic business dot com dot or dot co uk if you're aiming for global dot com but don't go to those third tier you know dot nets yeah. no one can find them no. um, easy to search, easy to find uh, and and lastly, you know descriptive of what you do um, those are the things that seem to work online. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that, 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 that's really good advice. Um, now, uh, you, let, let's wrap some numbers around health.com.au. You launched two years ago. Um, can you tell us members, revenue, monthly revenue, number of staff, site visits, what have you created in, that, in those first two years?
1: So um, we started uh, not quite two years ago, about 20 months ago, we started selling. Um, we cover about 45,000 Australians now. That puts us on about sixty million revenue uh, annualized. So based on you know this month, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know so it's it's the growth on that's been quite incredible. Um, We're adding I don't know a thousand to two thousand a month um, new people. Mm -hmm. Um, So the revenue line's growing, Um, and uh, yeah, I mean so that we're about. Thirty staff um, in the health insurance business. Um, we've also started, separate from health insurance, we've also started a car insurance business, which is a whole other story uh, oh. and a very interesting one.
0: What's the What's the domain?
1: So the health insurance or the the car insurance yeah. business is uh, is called Insurance Box, yeah. oh. and the reason it's called Insurance Box is. It's the first insurance in Australia that's based on, they call it telematics. So there's a device that plugs in under your dash that actually, so it's a box that plugs in under your dash and it measures your driving behavior and good drivers can save a lot of money. Clever. Um, And so it's the insurance box. I just went Um, through
0: the car insurance process only yesterday. And I would rather set fire to myself. But that's another story entirely. <laughs> Let's get back to health insurance. So this is, I'm interested. Let's get into the meat and three veg here because uh, a few months ago, I interviewed a fellow, uh, Dan, who started um, a, a company called Thank You Water. It's another bottled water company, and Andy. And I thought, wow, how brave or how stupid. Not sure I needed <laughs> to interview him entering the bottled water category. No shortage of bottled water, uh, but he did and he's made a success of it. You chose to enter a crowded marketplace um, where there are seriously big players. Medibank Private, NIB, you know, Booper. These guys are spending significant. They're, they're be, some of the biggest advertisers, I'm guessing, in Australia. So, what? what's your secret sauce that makes health.com.au more appealing?
1: So, you know, it's interesting. When we started this business, people would ask me why, exactly that question. Why are you going into health insurance? And mm. people who were in health insurance were asking it because they're thinking this is quite a staid, boring industry. And people who weren't in health insurance were thinking it's really crowded. Um, in fact, uh, the main reason was while there are there 's two big players in Australia, and between them there 're about two thirds market share after that there 's about thirty four others who uh, who go quite small actually um, and yet, if you ask people on the street, they can only name their own insurance and maybe two others mm-hmm. and oftentimes they don 't even get the name right for their own insurance, mm-hmm. and they don 't even know the name of their own insurance. so it isn't one of these categories that has really strong brand naming. So for instance, Medibank, when we ask people what they have, about two in ten say they have Medicare. Uh,
0: yeah. they, right? all, they get the, the name government entirely government. wrong, right
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, Medibank being owned by the government. Yes. if you 're under 30, that isn't necessarily a good connotation. Um, and so the, but anyway, that 's an aside. My uh, my own experience as a customer of health insurance was, you know, I got him from work one day, and I was actually looking at this business and a couple of other ideas. My wife, who actually has a master's degree in hospital administration, she knows a little bit about health, mm. she's trying to fill out a claim uh, for our insurer, which is one of the big ones. It actually had her in tears. Like, she'd been working on this for hours, and mm. it had her in tears. And in going through that experience with her and talking to her about it afterwards, I thought, you know... Really, what this comes down to—the reason why it's so hard for her—is there is an absolute lack of respect for the customer in the interaction that she's having, mm-hmm. and that just won't cut it in today's consumer world, right? You know, if someone acts like they don't like you, you're going to leave them, mm-hmm. um, and the company that I'm was customer with—they're they're losing hundred thousand people a year, wow. <laughs> um, and there's—I just—I just thought. There's always room for someone who's going to provide a great online service, really good customer service, great products, good value, but the differentiator being aimed at online, great online service, and great service. There's going to be room for someone to stand off to the edge of those big incumbents and just pick up the people who are falling out because they hate the experience they're having. So uh,
0: so if if, if we were to put... Uh, if we were to put our finger on the one, on the major secret source, and we've talked, you know, you've got straightforward products, you've talked of transparent value proposition, and really, you keep coming back to really good customer service. Is, is that, is it the really good customer service that, that you hope will set you apart now and into the future?
1: People pick the product because of pricing. They pick a product because pricing and it functionally fits what they need. Mm-hmm. They stay with it because of service, Um. And the service model,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they recommend it to their friends because of service,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So you, there isn't any. You can't put it on one thing. It's going to be price and fit, and that's what gets them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they stay because they like the service. And for us, it's actually you know most half of Australians anymore. You know they don't really want to go to your retail shop. They want to go on on their iPhone. Right. Uh, they you know it's if it's a low value, uh, repetitive transaction, mm-hmm. they just want to go online and get it done with. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to call you and be treated nicely. They want to just go online and get it done with. So what we've done is we've basically built out to make it that we can do, you know, probably more online than any other health insurer. We make the experience really snappy and modern. Mm-hmm. But then we also have great actual face-to-face or, you know, service. If you give us a ring, we've got great service. Mm-hmm. So it, you've got to have good online service backed up by good personal service. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, that's sort of the, the the key to keeping
0: people. Listeners, I'm speaking to Andy Sheets, founder of health.com.au. Great discussion, Andy. And as you're telling me how you deliver that or what you aim to deliver, I'm thinking right now you and your wife experienced a really poor claims process and decided to solve it by starting health.com.au, you have felt that pain. You've seen your wife cry filling out that form. You have um, surrounded yourself, I'm guessing, at the start with a small team who you knew uh, from other areas of the health industry, from what I've read. So they kind of got where you were coming from. You're your you're boutique now, but what happens? How do you how do you maintain that that belief amongst a growing team of staff to ensure you keep delivering on your promise
1: well our, you know we our customers are quite different from the industry as a whole so the industry as a whole the average person who has health insurance is 40 years old our customers the average person is 28 so they're quite different in their needs their expectations they definitely want more online our staff are much more aligned with that customer set. Mm-hmm. And so. You're people, employing hipsters, are you? We have a fair <laughs> number of hipsters. We've got some beards going, we've got the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and um, I mean, we're in Abbotsford, so we're, we're hipster sales. Oh, hipster mate, you market. are right, right
0: amongst the latte sipping, queen. We wearing. Um, Although,
1: as they call it now, the, the goat cheese eating circle. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Man. I saw that the other day. But, you know, so we, our staff the people we've hired very much identify with our customers and we've hired people who are smart and empathetic when they're in, when they're on the phone with someone, they're relating to them as a human should Mm -hmm. um, as, as opposed to, you know, as the way that a normal call center experience happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think, I think that's going to be scalable. I mean, we back them up with really great tools and training and, their own sort of internal online support Mm -hmm. um organize them up into teams that are that are that that are generally pretty self-directed we run our whole business using a process called agile which is quite common in online businesses but it actually brings um a lot of communication and transparency to sort of the whole running of a business and our group um the group of people we've hired really identify with that and, and, and it appeals to them. Um, so, I look, I think that, that the problem of scaling it, that's not going to be such a big deal. Um, I mean, look, obviously, it's always going to be a big deal, but I think that that's, that's pretty achievable. Um,
0: I, I had uh, in my my last major corporate job, Andy, was marketing manager at Flight Center. And I feel there's a bit of Flight Center coming out in health.com.au. Quite yeah, absolutely. Quite a utilitarian strong- you, know, you guys a built a
1: strong uncle. culture around yeah. what you were trying to achieve at Flight Center. Um, my uh, CFO, actually, at realestate.com came from Flight Center. Yeah. Um, you build a great They would culture. have had a
0: very, very sharp pencil.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, very aware of the culture that you're trying to create. And yeah. all of your customer service happens within the context of that culture. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we're
0: aiming for. Do you have um, some kind of induction program for a new staff member to kind of get them across the brand?
1: Yeah, we have actually three people started yesterday um, and they're sitting behind me actually at a table um, with a couple of the others. So that that we have a process that, you know, they've got to, you know, who are we, what do we stand for, what are we trying to do, but also how does health insurance work, um, what are our customers trying to do, you know, so there's a fair training process. It probably takes a... Three to six months to actually get a person fully up and going. Wow, wow. What's your staff
0: retention um, log? Like?
1: Uh, we have had exactly one person quit uh, out of 35, 36 hires. Fantastic result. Um, Fantastic. And I mean, we had, i and they had to move back to you know, other treats and things like that but i mean in terms of someone just saying uh you know it's not for me i'm leaving we've only had one
0: yeah right uh now listen uh i want to uh just digress a little because you touched on that fact that um some people, when you said you were heading into the health insurance market, saying you were mad. And I've, I've heard this before. I've heard successful small business owners talking about this. So you know, I, I imagine there was no shortage of family and friends saying you were crazy, leaving the cushy job at realestate.com. What advice do you have for small business owners listening who are also being told they should go back to their cushy corporate cubicle?
1: Look, I couldn't imagine anything worse myself. Um, the, the last thing I want to do is go back to my cushy corporate job because, I mean, look, look. In fact, most people don't have the option. You know, you, you you generally it's so hard to get your head around starting a business yeah. that you don't um, you don't generally um, you don't generally do it until somebody pushes you. Um, so, look, I I just think good on it. I mean, people who actually take the initiative to get out and do something why would you go back? Mm. Um, and, and you know, and as far as being crowded, I mean, how many plumbers are there? Well, there's still room for another one. Oh, you know, just that, I are, totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I think
0: know, any, any business, anyone listening, I know there's a lot of people in corporate who do listen to this show uh, as a kind of escape. It's almost like an escapism. <laughs> and I know one of the, the things they think is, oh, there's already peeps of people doing that. And I, I just think that's such a, that's a lame excuse because you just got to figure out how they're doing it and do it better.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, how do you, how, There's lots of people doing it, but how do you do it, right? So there's lots of plumbers, but how are you going to be different from them? Mm. You know, not just better, but different. Mm. And um, if you've got an angle, if it's something you care about deeply, and you've got a serious point of view that you can bring, and if you think the the world's going to be better because you did it, well, then you've got to do it, <laughs> you know? Mm. I mean, that's the test to me. If, you know, if you ask yourself, will the world be better if I do this and it's successful, and you can't say yes, well, then you probably shouldn't do it. Mm. Um, but if you, but if you know, in our case, there were 35 health insurers, and and we really thought that there was a space for someone to, to provide a great online service, um, you know, a more contemporary cut at health insurance. I mean, I didn't mention this before, but the last new health insurer was 1977. Um, You know, a lot's changed since then.
0: The last new health insurer... Sorry, what do you mean by that? You mean like starting from scratch in Australia? So in
1: Australia, the last new health insurer, the last fully kind of new health insurer to, to be registered by the government to start was Medibank in 1977.
0: All the other ones that have come in, like uh, I know like Bupa came from overseas, but like- Now, Bupa bought a
1: bunch of old insurers. So Boopa bought up a couple of old- Bupa is actually the British United Provident Association. <laughs> Funny enough, so- <laughs> Love a good acronym. They, yeah, so Bupa. Uh, and they've bought up, um, which is kind of an odd name, I guess, but in any case, they've bought up um, a couple of old insurers in Australia. Um, so they're old. Um, A lot of them are rebranded old mutuals or things that grew out of unions. Um, So there isn't a lot of new thinking that's come to this market. And that's really what we, you know, that's where we thought, hey, that's what we can add. And that's how we can make it better. Um, And in doing that, you know, we're not out to just, you know, there's this chain of people who are, uh, we're out to disrupt and destroy an industry. That's not us. We're out to lift the bar and mm. make it better. And you know how I said before, our, customer, our average customer is 28. Well, in 12 years, they'll be 40, right? Yeah. But their expectations when they're 40 are going to be very different from the ones from today, right? Yeah. So our objective is to be providing that sort of service, be the first ones providing it, be the best at it. And I know that the other thirty-five insurers are going to follow us along, but our objective is to be better than that and lift the bar. I, um, I, th-
0: I think it's interesting that um, the way you entered the market was by challenging some of the the established conventions of the category, as opposed to niching. You've kind yeah. of niched almost by default in that you've kind of the way you've packaged up the brand is targeting a younger a younger person. But uh, and I do know that from a marketing point of view, you you. You sponsor some cycling events and some, a cricket, a state cricket team. Um, but, yeah, you, you didn't go down that specific niche path.
1: Yeah, we wanted to keep it very broad. I mean, we're on a our, – our niche is people who prefer to do things online, <laughs> which <laughs> is pretty big, right? Um, and that is probably the fastest-growing niche. Um, so, I, look, it's the market. Uh, yeah. in, fo- in five to ten years, that's the market. Um, and that's why we targeted it. Despite so quite,
0: you say your average customer's twenty eight, are you still you still getting sign ups from from the oldies? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the forty six year olds like me, or the, the sixty yeah. year olds.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we have our product. We have a whole set of products that are that are aimed at different life stages, mm-hmm. all the way from you know young to uh, you know empty nesters, and we have people signing up at all age ranges. But the difference is that they generally, you know, there are a lot of people who are older, who are extremely online savvy. Mm. Um, And so we're aiming for them as well. You know, we're not aiming at young people. We're aiming at online people. Yeah,
0: interesting, and and, and they bust a myth right there, which is uh, online people are young people. Well, I mean that's oh. like that's a ten year old myth. And I um I posted a photo on the Small Business Big Marketing Facebook a few months ago, which I was sitting next to two lovely old ladies on an airplane, and that, they would have been at least seventy five, and they were both engrossed in their iPads for the entire oh. trip. So, uh, yeah, that- absolutely.
1: I mean some of the Some of the most online savvy people I know are in their 60s uh, and 70s. And, um, uh, you know, that's just where the world's going. Um, So that's where, Mm. you know, we're aiming where the world's going, not where it came from.
0: Andy, I just want to finish up uh, talking specifically about the website. You are an online business. Um, Getting people to that website and having them convert, and I'm guessing convert means request a quote. Uh, Ideally, in an ideal world, it's to take out a policy, but I think the real world would say at least make an inquiry or request a quote. Could you maybe share your top five or however many you've got, things that you do on health.com.au to ensure strong conversion
1: well one of the things that we do is uh we've so that we've recognized that the sales cycle for health insurance is quite long so we start talking to people who aren't in the market to purchase because it may be six months to a year before they come into kind of the space where they're buying and so one thing that we've done is we've started for instance engaging in um, the blog. So the blog is great for SEO, for pulling people in um, on topics that they're interested in at that time, and then nurturing that, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say relationship because we don't know them, mm-hmm. but you know, nurturing that interaction until they come to market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing is starting recognizing that if you made this a highly transactional site, they're not going to come on here and just buy every time. Um, and, and starting that interaction well before they're in the market. The second thing that we've done is, um, if you go to the website, we've built it out in such a way that it, it's more open-ended than many health insurance or bank websites. It, you know, it's, sort of, it's designed in such a way to engage someone, to drag them in, rather than to say, oh, I don't have, you know, I'm not going to buy that, so I'm going away. Yeah. So we've tried to keep people on. The next thing that we've done is um, recognize that oftentimes they actually don't want to be on a website. They either want to call you or do live chat. Um, so we've gone – we've actually uh, – We I think we might have been the first or one of the first. I think, I think maybe the first, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. health insurer in Australia to use live chat. That's actually quite successful for us, especially for people who are considering buying, but they're still – not engaged enough that they they still want to remain anonymous Mm. Um, and that's been really useful in dragging people in
0: every every Um, every business owner i speak to that has installed live chat on their site has has just said where where has it been all my life
1: yeah and we've gone through four different live chat tools Mm -hmm. to find the one that works best for us Um, you know we we like many people we weren't we didn't make the full commitment up front because we were a bit skeptical that people would use it, um, but each time we take the next step, we find the, the level of engagement grows, um, and so we've, we're now on, on you know kind of a big grown-up one, mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing. Uh, it, it really is a great interaction for, for customers, mm-hmm. um, and then, so I, look, I think those are the main things that we do on the website. We haven't gone for the hard sell, um, and that's on purpose. Um, but we have made it really clear. If someone goes to the website and they're ready to buy, it's easy to do
0: it. Yeah, it is. I mean, you have got quote, get a quote. You know, there's, there's no shortage of. I mean, call to action. I mean, it's everything. I mean, the amount of small businesses I see without a call to action on their website is extraordinary. And I think there's something to be learned by going to health.com.au dot and and seeing how clear the call to action is. Without you know it hitting you, hitting you over the head.
1: Yeah, you've got to say, uh, you know, you've got to ask for the you've got to ask for the sale, but you can't scream
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I know our listeners will have too, the motivated small business owners that listen in. Um, There is so much to be learned by a business that's 100% focused online, whether you are offline or online. And and I really thank you so much for sharing it.
1: Thank you so much. I I agree. I think that there's, even for an offline business, it's important to recognize that, you know, you are, I mean, you said this to me earlier, right? You are what Google says you are. Mm -hmm. And, the most offline business is still being found online. And I think it's really important for small businesses to keep that in mind.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Andy.
1: Great. Thank you, Tim. Nice to chat.
0: Wow. How much marketing gold was dripping from that little fireside chat with Andrew from health.com.au. Now, before I give my top five learnings, and uh, boy, there was a whole lot more, but I've got it down to five – Let me quickly tell you about Swiftly.com, and I say quickly because that's exactly what Swiftly is all about. Small design fixes, real fast. Swiftly is ideal for altering your business card details, logo alterations, banner ad updates, even photo touch-ups. And who doesn't love a good photo touch-up? You simply upload the artwork that needs fixing, tell them what needs doing, and boom, one hour later, it's done. All for just... 15 bucks. Check them out, swiftly.com. That's S-W-I-F-T-L-Y.com. Righto, as I said, there are top five learnings that I've taken away from my chat with Andy. Number one, that whole thing about a memorable domain name. Make it easy to say, easy to write. It's got to work online and avoid those .nets and .infos and all those other things. Go for uh, something that's nice and easy. So love that. No, and it's not always easy to get. You know, you name a business and then try and get a domain name that matches or you get a domain name and you try and get the business name that matches. Uh, it is good if you can, I reckon. Number two, um, there is a lack of respect for the customer out there. And I love the way Andy is building a business that fully, fully respects what the customer wants and what the customer needs, and they are two different things. But he's getting inside the customer's mind and really delivering solutions that hit them between the eyes, so to speak. Uh, number three, employ people that have empathy for your customers, like Andy's employing those those twenty one year old hipsters, you know. And I, I love that. I love the fact that you know these employing people that really understand where their customers are coming from and um, it can only lead to a good conversation uh, to, to be had between customer and business. Number four, understand the length of your sales cycle and build your marketing around it. How many times do I hear business owners saying, "Yeah, I tried this marketing and I didn't get a result," and they're kind of expecting a result there and then, but they're not understanding the fact that you know their prospects aren't ready, aren't necessarily ready to buy right now at that point when they're running out, when the business owner is putting out their marketing. So understand that length of the sales cycle, and you kind of got to be there. That's one of the great things about content marketing is that it allows you to be there often you know, uh, without actually having to spend a fortune. And, And frequency is everything. Number five, look for problems to solve. And uh, Andy talks about um, seeing his wife crying at the kitchen table trying to complete um, that form. And he saw a problem. And I wonder how many problems we are missing by not having our problem radar on. Uh, I think I've said it before. I'll say it again. As business owners, we are problem solvers. And uh, that's a great example of someone seeing a problem and doing something about it, creating a whole business around it. That's it. That's my top five learnings from having a lovely fireside chat with Andy Sheets of health.com.au. Hi, Tim. It's Kelly Edwards from A Flourishing Life here. As a psychologist and mindfulness meditation teacher helping individuals and groups regain flourishing lives, I'm wondering how to spread the word of the almost too-good-to-be-true benefits of mindful practice and what it can bring to people's health, happiness and... And well being without seeming to be pushy. Can you help? Feeling like a schmuck. That is the headline right there. Kelly, thank you so much for that question. It's a great question. There are many business owners who feel the same way. They feel as though they're forcing the sales pitch onto unsuspecting prospects. And uh, it doesn't need to be that way. Let me give you kind of five little insights or tips on how to avoid feeling like a schmuck. Number one, focus on sharing the benefits of mindful practice. Like you already mentioned that word. So really lean in to the benefits that are derived from, from practicing what it is that you preach and believe in those benefits. So this is number two. Really, really believe in those benefits. If you believe that what you offer has a positive impact on someone's life, then you shouldn't feel like a schmuck take you know like when i produce this show my mindset my little kind of before i hit record my mindset is hey i'm about to produce something that is going to help someone in some way shape or form in in, in the sense of this show i am here to help business owners around the world crank out great marketing so i never want to feel like a schmuck the minute i feel like a schmuck i'm going to stop because you know i don't want i want to be producing quality information that solves a problem. So believe in what you do and and just really, really lean into it, Kelly. Number three, pushy uh, pushy only comes when you're trying to force. So, you know, it's the minute again, like the minute you're trying to force something, you know it's wrong. So you either need to stop doing it or what I'd say pivot and look at what you're trying to push in a different way because, um, you know, there's push marketing and there's pull marketing and I'm all about pull marketing. I'm all about creating a business's marketing strategy that is all about helping a business kind of look very helpful. And to that point, I have just finished reading a book called Utility. And I'm going to suggest you read it too. It's Y O Utility Utility by Jay Baer, B-A-E-R. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it's all about being a helpful company. Um, help is what you need to do, he says, and sell is the opposite. You need to become a helpful business. And he defines utility as this. He says, utility is marketing upside down, Instead of marketing that's needed by companies, utility is marketing that's wanted by consumers. Utility is massively useful information provided for free that creates long-term trust and kinship between your business and your customers. How good's that? You want to create utility. And by the way, forum member um, Danny Thompson put me onto that book. It's, It's excellent. So actually, that's my number five tip. Kel, is to go ahead and read Utility. I think we all should. It's a really good book. So if you believe in what you're doing, if you lean into the benefits, if you have the mindset that you are there to help your prospects, your customers lead a better life, which is what mindfulness practice does, because I do it, then you shouldn't feel like a schmuck at all. This is a schmuck-free zone, Kel. Get on with cranking out some great marketing. Hope that helped. Hey, by the way, if you want some marketing love on an ongoing basis, of course, continue to tune into this show. But I'm also inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum every day of the week answering your marketing questions. So head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, hit the forum button, and you can join for 49 bucks a month, you know, like... There is so much marketing gold being discussed in that forum. It is quite amazing. So feel free to head over there. I'd love to see you inside what I'd call the inner circle. Next week I have got Dean Ramler. He is the founder of Milan Direct, which is Australia's largest online furniture retailer. And he is from a he's third generation furniture retailer, the first to actually take the business online. Great story. And uh, a very big thank you to the folks at Net Registry who get your online marketing sorted. Until next week team, may your marketing be the best marketing. It's Timbo Reed signing out. See ya. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing show with Tim Reed. Want more marketing goodness, then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. All right, as usual, I share a listener review or two at the back end of the show. This one is from Brett Morrison, who's the operations manager at Paint Place up in Queensland. And Brett, long-time listener of the show. So great to hear from you again, Brett. He says, Hey, Timbo, have been listening to your last 20 or so podcasts, and they are very, very good. Thank you, Brett. That's very kind. You offer so much to us small business people and are a constant when we feel we are doing it tough. Mate, That's uh, tick that box. I, I certainly set out to do that. I know that there's not, not every business owner out there is is cranking through stuff at the moment. Some are doing it tough, and I hope I can be a little a shimmering light there in the distance sometimes. He goes on to say, we have recently bought a store in Gladstone about an hour out of Rocky, and I bang on a small business pig marketing show and get some gold. I really can't wait to take my two or three trips a week to catch up on your shows. Hey, mate, that's good. I, I get people excited to hop in the car. That's what I do. Can't wait to get a chance to join the forum as it sounds like the way to go. Brett, seriously, mate, don't wait. Get in there. There's no better time than now to start the marketing conversation in your business, and the forum's a great way to do it. Brett says, keep up the shows and keen for you to pump out two a week. Well, mate, I'm working on it. I am working on it. Uh, let's see where that takes us in the coming weeks. Thanks for being there, Timbo. Love you, mate. You do make a difference, Brett Morrison. Mate, uh, touching. Very, very touching, Brett. I appreciate that and I appreciate your words and I appreciate the long-time support that you've given to the show as I do with anyone listening to this show. Love your work. See you next time. Bye.
1: Small business, big marketing.com.